All right, so just a quick reminder um, on the book of Nelson. Um, today is the last day that I'm accepting orders. If anybody wants a printed version, this is like your one and only shot to get it. So just throwing that out there. Um, How much is it? Why didn't I see that? Um, I don't know. I emailed out the group and, and put it on my personal Facebook page. So um, uh, this little one is Fifth Nelson. That's everything since he's become a prophet. And then this is uh, Nelson one through four. So a lot of people requested a, a physical copy of it. Um, and so I'm ordering it through a, a printer that has pretty cheap copies and they're gonna be spiral bound uh, with covers and everything. Um, so they are off the top of my head singly. It's 67 for the two of them together. But if you just want fifth Nelson, it's $15. And then the other one do math, whatever that is for, for one through four. Um, but I'm only going to do it like one time. It's just for those that, that wanted a, a physical copy because um, ordering in bulk is the only way to get really good price points on it. So I saw your email and I saw that it was the fifth Nelson, but I didn't open it up to read it. I'm like, I got to keep that unread yeah. so I can go back and know where to print it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So if you want it printed and, and bound and don't have to do all that, because I, I printed my own here and um, it took a whole toner cartridge and uh, a ream and a half of paper. And so it was about like 75 ish dollars to print it myself. And so the 67 is, is a pretty good deal if you want to do that because it just eliminates all the work and it's a little bit cheaper. So if you want that, Doesn't that include um, shipping? yeah, and that includes the shipping too. So um, uh, it's just that, that $67. If you want that, just Venmo me that, that money and make sure that I have your address if I don't already. Um, so maybe I should go back and read that email, huh? Uh -huh yeah, those are, those are always important to read. <laughs> just kidding. Not all my emails are important, but that one was, <laughs> I should have put that in the, the, the message, like time sensitive information or something. I'm glad you announced it here. So I know that I need to go read. <laughs> I hope. Hey, how much did you say the fifth Nelson was? Fifth Nelson was $15. Okay. And so, um, all of the collection that I've got here is all of his publicly addressed, well, his addresses to the public. So like uh, devotionals to uh, say the Midwest or whatever, like that just happened. That's not going to be in here, but any public TV interviews or um, things, general conference, enzyme, anything directed to the, the public at large are included in here with footnotes and formatted like the scriptures. Um. So yeah, let's go ahead and, and get started into chapter three. This is such a, a fun one. So yeah, let, let's just open it up for um, uh, comments right off the bat. So I'm going to ask the impossible question of, out of this whole chapter, if you could narrow it down to one sentence or one paragraph of information that was just life-changing for you, what would that be in this chapter? Because I have a ton of them, and I don't know if I can really narrow it down. But <laughs> what is that one for you here? Um, I'll try to pull out one that I have here. Hey, Cameron, probably, I don't know if this is like my favorite part. 
but the very beginning where it says he talks about apostate darkness the only translated beings held the priesthood and so um it was until those who arose by lineage to claim the holy order in the day of the restoration so there there were people like i always learned there was the through you know the apostate when everyone left there wasn't any gospel here on the earth i thought that priesthood was gone but he's saying it wasn't and i i thought that was fascinating yeah yeah that's a very interesting concept to even uh bring up and think about like oh that makes sense but you know it, we just kind of almost put it in a box kind of thing and uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah i love that um, um so let me just read libby's real quick here and then we'll go to to cindy um, so Libby said on page 38, uh, this same promise is echoed in words too sacred to repeat anywhere, but at that glorious moment at the veil in the temple. Yeah, I, I love that when I heard it in the audiobook, I was like, now wait, what? Like I had to go back and reverse it a few times and like, what is it saying? And uh, oh, like it, it finally dawned on me what he was talking about there. But um, yeah, I, I loved that, um, that piece. That was definitely one of mine. So yeah, let's um, uh, go with Cindy. Yeah, there was so much in here. <laughs> I <laughs> yep. love so much. One of the one of my favorite parts in was on page forty five, right at the bottom. Uh, the quote from Joseph F. Smith: "But when I shall be prepared, but when shall I be prepared to go to Zion? Not while I have in my heart the love of this world more than the love of God. Not while I am possessed of that selfishness and greed that would induce me to cling to the world or my possessions in it, at the sacrifice of principle or truth. But when I am ready to say, Father, all that I have." myself included, is thine, my time, my substance, everything that I possess on the altar to be used freely, agreeable to thy holy will, and not my will, but thine be done, then perhaps I will be prepared to go and help to redeem Zion. I just love that so much, yeah. you know, that we just need to, it's really up to us, and we just have to let go of everything, you know, worldly, and just want it with all of our hearts and want him with all of our hearts. And I, I just love that. That was my favorite quote. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that, Cindy. And it's so funny because I've started reading the Book of Mormon over again. I bought this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, just as I was waiting for class to start, this is what I wrote. Okay, so I'm just in First Nephi. And first uh, uh, Nephi two, six, and it came to pass that when he had traveled three days in the wilderness, he pitched his tent in a valley and it came to pass that he built an altar of stones and made an offering unto the Lord and gave thanks unto the Lord, our God. And this is what I wrote. Lehi pitched his tent and then made an altar and made an offering to give thanks. What am I willing to put on the altar? What will I give up to give or show gratitude to the Lord? which is exactly what you just said, right? Mm -hmm. That was yeah. the last thing I just wrote before getting on class. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Now that you're showing a book, I have to show you guys something. I, I got this online and it was used and look. Oh, oh fun. And it's I signed, have to get your name. 
It's a what? version. Don't you have to change your friend. name to Alan. And you know what? That's know. how we spell our son's name. That's how we spell our son's. His name's Decker Allen, and we spell it that same way, which is different. <laughs> well, you need this book then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You need it. Right. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me that they've went and found their copy at uh, DI or another thrift bookstore kind of thing. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to go uh, scour the, the shelves for, for those books and stuff. I tried to buy it on Amazon and it said I last bought it on 20, in 2015. And oh, yeah? I thought I had, I have looked through my whole house. Now we moved in 2020. Yeah. I have no, I know where it was in my house before. I have no idea where it is now. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Well, maybe somebody we, else needed that copy and it just drifted somewhere. I <laughs> wish I had a DI to go look for it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's go with Leslie. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been looking for the, the nuggets that I have passed by in, in times past. And on page 41 and 42, it talks about how, um, the labor of translated beings has been at times to check the advance of evil when mortal men are not sufficiently righteous to do so. And then there's a quote um, by Joseph Fielding Smith that they, um, the translated beings did check the advances of evil as far as the Lord deemed it necessary. I thought that was very cool. And I didn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that a very interesting concept to, to think about there. It's going to be interesting after all of this plays out and, and we get to, to go back and find out all the, the Lord has done and planned and put into place and all of the ministering angels and everything. It's like, it's exhausting. <laughs> I need a break just thinking about it. But like, seriously, that's like a testimony builder right there. Like if you really recognize what the Lord is doing and has done and will do, like, it's just so perfect. I don't know. Sometimes we just, uh, out of unbelief or whatever, but we just kind of balk it at things and, oh, chalk things up to coincidence. But, but man, yeah. There's another one that I really like too. Um, and it's just one, it's just one sentence, but it really stuck with me. It's on page 50. Um, kind of the last sentence in that top paragraph this is the aladdin's lamp of mortality which we tragically esteem as little more than a pretty trinket even while we hold it in our hands and i just i love that so much because what a treasure we have you know to work towards this and many of us just don't even think about it or realize it you know even it that it's in our reach, but many of us don't even realize that. Wait, read it again now, please. Um, this is the Aladdin's lamp of mortality, which we tragically esteem as little more than a pretty trinket, even while we hold it in our hands. Gives you a little bit to think about, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah, Cameron, I finally finished the book. This it takes me yeah. till Wednesday to finish the book. <laughs> so I found some that I really like on page 46 and 47 that really 
I was just like, okay, it says the Lord offered his people the chance to build that Zion from which the law shall go forth into the world. They failed. Why? Because they were unprepared and unworthy. When we as a people are prepared and worthy, I'm just skipping through here. Until then, none of us should take steps toward gathering to Missouri or preparing for a land inheritance there. Let us rather learn that the great concepts involved and make ourselves worthy of any work the Lord may lay upon our in our day and time. And on page 47 in the middle, I wrote, I, I underlined, this gathering will be of the elect, the wise virgins whose lamps are already full and whose souls already sing the song of redeeming love. And I thought those were just really yeah. profound statements to me. Yeah, for sure. I, I there's so many different layers and, and new things to to the the ten virgins and stuff. And and this is mm -hmm. just bringing a, a new light to it. It's awesome. Yeah, and conference was so much about you know first we should love the Lord, and so that really stood out to me that we should be singing that song of redeeming love. We should love the Lord first and foremost, and then love our neighbors as ourselves. And I thought, wow. And how many things do we put in front of, you know, idols, TV and sports and all kinds of stuff that we do, <laughs> we yeah. don't put the Lord first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of stuff um, marked on those two pages and it's all about preparing ourselves like personal worthiness, making ourselves mm -hmm. worthy, purifying ourselves. Um, it commences in the heart of each person. You know, there's all kinds of yes. stuff on those two pages about we need to prepare ourselves personally, mm -hmm. our personal worthiness. And I, yeah, I love that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, did I see Sarah Irving raise her hand a little bit? Or if you change your mind, that's fine. But I'll just run that out. Um, I actually she uh l read it that part oh. in the middle of 47 so uh -huh. All I, right. I put it down but i love that part because i think that um if this I, what i love about this book is that it starts a burning right so like as you pick up and you continue on in fact um there's a part i think it's in chapter six but it could be in chapter five or four that says if you've made it this far then you know you've understood and you are probably those who will have a different calling than most and I love that because I've always had this burning of just knowing that there's something more out there for me individually and sometimes you feel like you're you know like I don't want to say crazy, but you kind of feel like, oh, really me? You know, but <laughs> I feel like this book gives you um, the ability to say, yeah, yeah, it is me, you know, and I love yeah. that because it gives you the confidence to continue learning and doing everything you can to be Zion in your heart and in your actions and everything else so that you can eventually be called there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I love the way you put that perfect um and then uh libby also uh, put in the chat that the daughter of pharaoh that rescued moses was amazing to me yeah 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 yeah. so going to that that on page 53 the translated individuals throughout history so many 
insights and connections there and and many things that I didn't even know like I I love Old Testament but there I mean there was stuff there that was like oh did I know that <laughs> but um uh uh, Bethiah, the daughter of Pharaoh, rescued Moses from the water and raised him. So if she was a translated individual, like somewhere along her life, she got the gospel, whether it was before Moses or, or, or after. I mean, like just the implications that, that she could have been a translated individual at some point is like huge. Like she obviously had the gift of discernment and, and uh, to follow a prompting to, to pick Moses up kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, just, I, I want to know that story. I, I need to <laughs> dive deeper into that one. Um, but yeah, uh, all along that, that list there, it seems very interesting that anybody that's intimately involved in the temple or temple building is um, a, a translated being. And um, to be able to, to receive those kind of visions and uh, uh, sacred architecture there, I, I found that an interesting connection that I'd never seen before. Um, but also Chileab, the son of David, I found that one uh, striking because, you know, sometimes we, we focus so much on Solomon that we kind of ignore this, this Chileab there that, um, anyway, I, I just want to make that another study to uh, go in and look at his life. Any other insights into either the historical ones or the pioneer ones that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, these pioneer uh, patriarchal blessings are quite amazing. Um, I went through and looked at each of them. I found them on family search and, and I've got their PID number. So we have record of all of their deaths. What does that mean for us? So was the, was Joseph Smith senior, who was the, the patriarch in, in most of these, was he wrong? Were these people not translated? Did they miss out on their blessings due to their behavior? Uh, you know, Missouri or otherwise, or, or are, is our perspective and our paradigm, some of those traditions wrong, and we need to kind of retool the way we think about translation? Like, what kind of opinions do you guys have after reading some of those? I mean, we're translating to the moon and the inhabitants of the moon and um, getting caught up to the third heaven and stuff. This is, this is amazing to, to read about. And this is only a select few uh, of those early patriarchal blessings. Yeah, any any thoughts? If not, that's fine too. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. Yeah, go for it. Um, I went to a, a book club meeting one time and Terry Pontius was the speaker. And that was a question that came up. It's like, wait, with all that John wrote and yet he died, has anybody else heard? her answer about that and I can't remember exactly what she said but it was um she hasn't ruled ruled it out because you can die and be raised again from the dead and then he would be free to go and do his work if he became translated at that point so she said there's so much that we don't know mm -hmm. um we just assume it goes this way but it could go this way this way this way this way so she didn't say that part but that was the the impression yeah. that we got, so yeah very interesting because after reading this and, and really pondering and studying the scriptures and stuff it's like <laughs> ah, interesting like my whole paradigm has shifted on this uh -huh. but yeah uh, cindy 
Yeah, I, I agree with you and the, the second point that I think that many of us, like I said before, just don't realize. And, you know, the thought came to me that, you know, the scripture says that if, if we're faithful and we really search diligently and, and try to hear him, that the mysteries of God will be unfolded. And I, I just feel like that's what needs to happen to many of us that we need to realize that it this is a real thing and and that we can strive towards this i mean as i was reading this also i was thinking when i was when i was a kid people used to joke around about being translated you know all the time and and say oh you know yeah she she's going to be translated or you know and just joking about it but honestly it really is something that we need to work towards and to strive for, especially if that is our ticket into Zion. You know, that's, it, it really, it's almost like, I feel like it's a commandment that we <laughs> should strive for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah, for sure. Um, Libby says that maybe when we die and are asked what is wanted, we can ask for translation continue on after earthly death yeah it's a very interesting uh, possibility I remember back in our abraham book club um when it was one of my little assignments i remember writing it on the corner of my my page there with my assignments oh man our book clubs have evolved a lot since then um but one of the the assignments was to go and look at every time that somebody was um given the option to ask what they wanted, you know, what is wanted every time that, that that happens in scripture and and what are the available options? You know, having done that study, it's, it's very in, insightful. Like uh, somewhere here in, in uh, Triumph of Zion, he says, we need to start looking at the, the scriptures more as a mail order catalog rather than just some ancient history text kind of thing. But we have a pattern of many prophets in scripture that are, um, seeing the Lord, uh, parting the veil, and asking what the desires of their hearts are. And uh, anyway, I, for my, myself, I was just like writing all those down because I wanted, I was like, okay, if I at some point uh, am able to do that many years in the future, I need to know what my options are. I don't want to go and be like, you know, like when you go to a restaurant, like, well, what flavors do you got <laughs> kind of thing. I already want to know what the flavors are. And so that I have it on the tip of my tongue, what is wanted? I want that kind of a thing, because it seems like the, uh, the Nephite uh, 12, right? They, they knew what they wanted. And um, I, I would like to be in that same boat, you know, like I want to have the answer on the tip of my tongue kind of thing. And it yeah, wasn't- but I always wonder if those first nine, the answer looked at the last three and went, darn, should have asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> After the savior says, wow, you've chosen the, chosen the better part or whatever. Well, I want that now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's maybe that the first, the, the nine were old <laughs> and they retired. And then the other three were young. <laughs> maybe so. that's what it is. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to share something though, because I don't have the book and I, I got to find it. I guess I could buy it again. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But I wanted to share something because when you talked about the, um, I do have it on Audible anyway, and but it's hard to remember everything. Um, 
when you talked about what the patriarch, um, the patriarchal blessings, um, and like what he they gave was that really true and was it really going to happen or whatever and I just wanted to share something with you because my husband was patriarch before we moved here and he was really worried about what if I say the wrong thing what if you know what if what I say isn't a promise for this person like I just you know he was really just nervous because you know it's scary when you're giving patriarchal blessings for the first few times and he was talking to the um the patriarch that he took his place um, was going to be the um, MTC president down in Mexico City. And he was talking to him before he left. And he said, there's a promise that whenever the patriarch says the Lord will honor. Hmm. So isn't that interesting? Yeah. And he goes, take comfort because if you promise it, the Lord will honor your promise. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we don't always know exactly how that's going to happen, yeah. but the Lord, the promises are sure, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we put the answers or revelation in a box and, and it has to play out this exact way kind of thing. But, you know, as we have experience interpreting and uh, realizing those blessings of our, our patriarchal blessings, often it's different but but better than what we we could have even imagined kind of thing and you know what you can lay claim to those blessings in your in your patriarchal blessing like i want that i was mm -hmm. promised that and and you can lay claim to that so that i really liked that when he shared that with me so mm -hmm. anyways i just wanted That's to share awesome. that with you and i wanted to say too that heavenly father and the savior are the master thinking outside of the boxers right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they got that down. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how how well they they orchestrate everything for us. That makes me want to go read my patriarchal blessing again. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes, so I want to sure. share something with you guys, kind of on topic of patriarchal blessings, but a little different. Um, so I got the app on my computer for the church. Quit. Like it opens and then immediately closes. It won't open. And I uninstalled it and reinstalled it. I can't get it. So I went online and pulled it up because I was going to, um, I wanted to look at the footnotes in the Book of Mormon. Well, the little My Patriarchal Blessing thing came up. And I had made requests for patriarchal blessings for some of my grandparents and great grandparents. And they didn't have them, but now they have them. Like they found them as they've done more research okay. and scanned more things. So I want to tell you, and they're all online now. They don't email them, they, nothing. They're all online. So I started reading these and I read my grandmothers, both my grandmothers and their blessings. I mean, one was in St. George and one was in Kaysville and they were 10 years apart. Um, but my one grandmother had hers at like 37 and the other one had hers at 63. So, you know. That's interesting, yeah. But as I read their blessings almost i don't want to say word for word is in my blessing too yeah isn't that interesting That's so lovely. i'm like is that just is that just me or i wonder if some of those blessings are familial and mm. they get passed down for sure so completely and i had mine in houston so you know mm. how many years completely different time period patriarchs but those blessings had very similar lines between mm -hmm. the three of us 
Yeah, for sure. So we do um, with our youth, uh, we do an early morning family history activity kind of thing. And uh, we've spent a few weeks on, on patriarchal blessings. So requesting um, our ancestors' patriarchal blessings, getting those back. But then certain weeks, we'll study them for just specific things. So one of the weeks was finding similar phrases in yours versus your, your ancestors. And it was amazing how many. And uh, there, well, there was some the different thing. You've studied that. See, this is yeah. like all new to me. Yeah, this was just recently. Um, but anyway, it's interesting which blessings flow down through lines as well. So like sometimes, you know, just like what recessive genes and, and the alleles in our uh, bodies and stuff, you know, like some of them skip generations. Every other generation gets the blessing. Um, some of them go, you know, maternal lines. Some of them go paternal. Like it, it's very interesting to study, like really hone in on, on some of those. I think that there's some deep uh, significance to that. Like the Lord just doesn't do things by accident, but wow. it, it keyed me into the fact that we have our, our physical genes, but we also have spiritual genes that, that follow their own laws and, and nature as well. And anyway, it was very enlightening. So one of the things that was interesting was mine talks about very descriptively about the country I'm born in, the United States. Mm -hmm. So did my dad's mother's talk very in very similar words so that was super interesting talking about our lineage and the specific blood you have royal blood flowing through your veins mm -hmm. both of us have that i was like how weird is that yeah but it's not mm -hmm. so yeah. just and then and the other one was um how heavenly father and heavenly mother felt about my grandmother was almost exactly the same thing that mine said yeah so that's what was, it was just really, I was like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, wait, is this mine? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you guys go get your grandparents' patriarchal <laughs> blessings. For some reason, I don't have any for my grandfathers. I do for a great, great grandfathers, but not my grandfathers, but my grandmothers I do. So go get yours and read them because it was super, mm -hmm. like almost, yeah. like almost freaky. Like it was weird. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know it was a thing. One of my favorite activities was when I went through and tried to find myself in my ancestors' blessings. So anytime that I was mentioned, not by name, obviously, but like um, that your descendants will do this or your descendants will accomplish this, I, I was trying to find myself in my uh, ancestors' blessings. And man, there were some amazing ones uh, of... Uh, of those things that sometimes they were... Uh, topics mentioned in my patriarchal blessing, but some of them weren't, but like, it was like I was expanding my own personal blessing, kind of encompassing some of those things. Anyway, it was oh, yeah. patriarchal my blessing analysis. Descendants. And then one of my great grandfathers, they found handwritten in a book, right? Oh yeah. But it's so faded. I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever going to read this. It's so faded. And um, so anyways, but I, theirs didn't talk about descendants, my, either of my grandmothers. So yeah. I'll have to maybe read back a little farther and see if I can find them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, let's see, I'm all distracted on, on patriarchal blessings. <laughs> what else we got here in this? Uh, I know, I'm always good about changing the subject, sorry guys. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
hijacking the conversation (laughs) it's totally on point (laughs) i just kind of forgot where i was um let's see so we got those um oh so on page 35 this was an interesting one for me at the at the top the john taylor quote it said that and then when the time comes that these calamities we read of shall overtake the earth those that are prepared will have the power of translation as in former times the city will be translated anyway when i read that it was just kind of giving off like 10 virgin uh bells in my head and and i put out here to the side something to study but is the power of translation the oil and lamp or the five that enter in like is that part of it um because just kind of putting that that spin on it just taking it for what it's worth you know it might not be but it's just possible one interpretation but it says that when the time of the calamities we read of shall overtake the earth is that not why the the five virgins enter they're prepared and can actually enter in so that they can escape those calamities kind of a thing um and and the city will be translated like i don't know it just made a lot of sense and so um i'm gonna do a study on that like is the oil in one application one possible interpretation translation Uh, especially for those that have been invited to the marriage supper like i don't know it just kind of makes sense that makes sense except not if you get too detailed because then they could go buy it from somebody that wasn't a member of the church right mm-hmm. yeah yeah they send them <laughs> yeah. to go out to go buy it so that part doesn't make sense but when you think about what are some of the things we need that would be one thing mm-hmm. that fills our lamp so um you guys you told me to go watch that video did you tell all of us last week you did you told all of us last week which one there's so many videos all the time the mclaughlin the mclaughlin oh, yes. Okay, so I watched it, then I made my husband watch it, then I watched it again, and I think I watched it again. So now I'm looking for patterns in the Book of Mormon, but that was one of them right here in um, chapter two of First Nephi, my first pattern. Um, let's see, uh, oh no, second, First Nephi, um, First Nephi 20. But behold, I Nephi will show unto you the, ten- let's see, no, Oh, yeah, the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance, which is what you were just talking about. So one of the powers of deliverance would be translation, mm-hmm. right? He was taken away. But um, anyways, so Lehi gave up all his worldly possessions for the promised land. And what is our promised land? Zion? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's, that's awesome. Sorry, I, I got I'm listening to Triumph of Zion on Audible, but I don't have the book in front of me. I got the Book of Mormon in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll connect the Book of Mormon to Triumph of Zion. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Perfect. Um, and then where is it talking about the convincing? Let's see. 38 and 39. So I really love this idea of the convincing power that uh, accompanies translated beings. Like that's one of their purposes. It's not that translated beings just get uh, a free pass and they get to rest on their laurels, right? Like they are given the convincing power so that they can bring others to Christ. That's their whole point of of being translated. And so um, at the bottom of 38 talks about... um, Third Nephi 28, the convincing power which is in them. 
And then on 39 here, um, again, just reiterating that convincing power. But in that paragraph, it says that, in other words, they have the power to convince mankind in miraculous ways, or more powerfully stated, through the display of miracles. And so the fact that they can convince people because they can show them miracles and, and, and prove to them that, that God knows them, that, that he will do things for their good kind of thing. Anyway, I had never before connected those two points. Like convincing power, yeah, like, oh, they're just great missionaries. But more than that, they're able to do all of the translated things that, you know, uh, move mountains and uh, uh, call down famines and droughts, etc. seal up the heavens, like they have power over things so that they, these miracles can help convince people to repent and change and, and come into Christ. And so um, that was a, a real big eye opener for me uh, this week, that convincing power. And, um, you know, how many of these great prophets always talk about how they're not eloquent of speech or, um, you know, they just feel so inadequate in their their initial call to uh, become great and, and to, to pro proclaim the gospel. Um, but yet they eventually get there and the convincing power is so strong that it really helps other people come into Christ kind of thing. I think that that's an awesome tidbit that, that just blew my mind this week. Yeah. And Cameron, it was also to other worlds. He said other worlds. Oh yeah. 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 I'm like Alethea. I don't have the book in front of me. I have it on audibles. I can't find my book either, uh -huh. but, but yeah, when he said other worlds, I was like, what? Yeah. That's so crazy to even think about. Like anyway, you know, it sounds so fun. It sounds like superpowers. <laughs> like it sounds so fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. How many of us have had like dreams or whatever? Like, Oh, if I could just fly. <laughs> Get translated. <laughs> okay, let Leslie talk, and then I want to go back again. I got something to say. <laughs> um, on page 40, um, it says, these are some of the principles associated with translation, and about midway down, it says um, that they are changed. Satan cannot tempt them or have power. This is in relation to um, the convincing power. That I, it just occurred to me that this is possibly one thing. They are sanctified in the flesh and they have power over the earth. This means that they are not subject to the laws of what we call nature. And, and here's the part that got me, that they can create objects they need and have mastery over all things mortal. So perhaps in the create, that creating the objects are as part of the convincing power to bring other people, others to Christ. So... <laughs> I love that. Yes. So interesting. I that's going to aid in my study that I, I'm going to be doing. So fun. Um, the first thing that popped in my head when you said that for some reason was um, Uchtdorf's talk on create. I think he was giving it to like uh, the sister audience. It yeah. was. It was back in 2000. And I think it was October of 2008. Yeah. It, anyway because we uh, lived in mexico city and that was when we lived uh, there we moved in 2009 so i'm pretty sure it was october 2008 yeah it's such a great talk but like that that inherent need or not inherent need the inherent uh gift ability to create the yearning that, that we have and stuff is like 
oh man, that, that really popped out to me as, as you were quoting that, that bullet point there, Leslie. And so it's like, oh, there, there's some, there's things clicking. Uh, I can tell that the Lord's going to have a fun journey there. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. Can I talk now? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So going back to patriarchal blessings, but I want to tie this into what we're talking about. I want to know if you guys have felt this way. So I have this patriarchal blessing. Mine just happens to be in chronological order. Mine talks about the preexistence, talks about my parents, talks about being called by the living prophet, the Oracle of God to serve a full-time mission, do one, two, three. And then shortly after you turn home, you'll get married, you'll raise a family, then you'll go to school, which is what I'm doing now and lock onto a vocation. Then it's just kind of like blessings and whatever. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of sad. I'm 55 years old and I'm at the end of my patriarchal blessing. <laughs> so I kind of have been bummed about that. But there's an interesting part in my blessing at my script, at my scriptures, at my mission. It says that I will like set aside the frustration and depression and you will return home in good health. And I'm like, okay, when I got set apart, the only thing I remember about getting set apart is that I would return home in good health. I served my mission in Salt Lake City. So <laughs> I thought, I thought that my mission was going to be changed in the MTC, mm. that I would go to like some Asian country, island, South America. The moment I stepped foot in Salt Lake from Provo, I was so relieved. Okay, good. Dodge that bullet. But why does it keep talking about my good health? So I've just been pondering this. And the last few years, I finally thought, is this talking about another mission? Does my blessing start over again? So I had that going on. And I listened to a podcast. <laughs> and he had this guest on and I had my earbuds in I'd fallen asleep in the middle of the night and I hear him talking I'm like wait what so this is a thing he said he had all these people like he just asked to survey very vague questions and so many people said yes I feel like I'm going to be called back to my mission and serve again that my patriarchal blessing talking about my mission wasn't just about this that it's another mission mm -hmm. So then I'm like, wait, did I serve a mission the first time? And I just was like, so adamant on going because it says I'm going to go. And that wasn't the mission it was talking about. I don't know. I wouldn't have given that up. But I'm just saying, do you guys feel like that? And then is this other mission going back to translation and the work that we'll do? Of course, I don't have to worry about my health as a translated being, right? But maybe that's why I don't have to worry about, you know, I had no health problems. I had the best mission ever. I had the mission you guys all thought you were going to have. So what's this about the depression and the frustration? Because mm -hmm. I also served on Temple Square before it was a mission. I mean, it was like the best mission ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I really think it's another mission. And it makes me wonder, am I like, I just heard this guy talk about it, but I don't, I haven't talked to other people that have said, yeah, I feel like I'm going to have another mission that that's what my patriarchal blessings talking about. So anyway, that was what I wanted to say and just throw it out there and see if 
you guys have thought about that or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that um, the patriarchal blessings can either repeat or go back in reverse order kind of thing. Like there's, there's different patterns and everybody. Well, I don't want to get married again. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, right now um, that's illegal and so i don't want to do it legally <laughs> <laughs> yes that might not be the quiet on that one but um but yeah like i i definitely think because it only mentions the the one mission in mine or whatever but none of the things that it said about my mission came to fruition on my mission and um you know i i always had a problem with that kind of thing i talked to my mission president and he's like well, obviously it's not talking about that one, you know, you're, you'll have another one. So just take it for what it's worth, take it with patience kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it can uh, apply multiple times because uh, like you, when you said that, um, it says in mine that um, at the end of my life, I will get involved in family history. And um, a few years ago, I, I got called with Jamie here to be the stake family history consultant. Because you're like, doo 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 doo. Yep, death sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dead man. Yep, okay. <laughs> well, I'll serve in this and, and then die peacefully. But, um, <laughs> like, I think it, it has multiple little things in there. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I think it, it definitely can, can have dual meanings. And um, uh, sometimes things repeat and, and stuff like that. I, I can definitely see those patterns. But I haven't really dove into anybody else's patriarchal blessing either. So yeah, I like that uh, you posed that question. Just kind of throwing it out there. Yeah. Like, go ahead. I'm thinking it could be because we're close to the second coming. So it could be toward the end of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Yeah. The end of your mortal life, not the end of your, your translated yeah. life. Yeah. Mortal, yeah. <laughs> this is the last thing. Okay. Interesting. I. I had not thought of that one. Oh, great. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Any other? No. Anybody else? I do sort of. I mean, it's not anything that I've thought about a lot, but mine's, mine says that I'll, my life will be a, a, a light on a hill and I'll, you know, I'm trying to remember the exact wording, um, lead the way for many of my, my family and their associates. And um, I, I just thought, I just didn't know how that would happen because most of my kids are not even active in the gospel. And, um, but I always have had the, feeling that the closer that it gets to the second coming the more that I'll be able to influence them um because of, of my belief you know in in God and in the savior and in the second coming and you know because they don't believe in that they don't right, really think scary things are going to happen and those those teachings will come back to them and they'll come back to you wait mom yeah, maybe maybe she was right. Maybe she, maybe she's not crazy. <laughs> they think I've all they all think I've gone off the deep end because I'm working on the food storage and you know. And they'll be saying anyway. thanks for storing enough for us too, mom. 
Yeah. <laughs> as soon as That's they see I... it all happening, they're going to say, oh, mom was right. <laughs> mom was we got to so... do it. She's saying. <laughs> so anyway, that, those are some thoughts that I had, but you know, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? I'm just trying to do the best I can. <laughs> yep. That's all we're all doing, right? Just trying to yeah. do the best. And then you're going, ah, uh, not doing, you know what? A few, a couple months ago, my family's like, really, mom, you got more? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. And I'm but like, Cindy, you, Cindy, you can claim this. that blessing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, go you. Ahead, you, go can, ahead. you can claim that blessing, Cindy. Yeah. I, you know what? And I did think about that too when she was saying that, that I just, yeah. I just need to claim it. I need yeah, to. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Alethea. No, I was just gonna say, I was gonna go up there. I'm like, it takes up a whole room in our house, the biggest bedroom except for ours in our house. Like I'm done. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm getting rid of it all. <laughs> and then it was just like the peace fled, right? All the peace fled. And I'm like, okay, is this the peace? Or is this just me going, ah, you know, I can't get rid of my stuff. And and then two months later. So the supply chain's breaking down. <laughs> I'm like, they're all going to say, thank you, mom, for getting goldfish. Thank you, mom. <laughs> I don't rice <laughs> and beans. I need to do that. And shampoo. <laughs> and deodorant and lip balm and hand lotion. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Feminine hygiene products that mom doesn't use anymore. <laughs> I know that's the, Bro, the what's kicker. All this for? When when you start getting stuff that doesn't even apply to you, people are like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they really have gone off the deep end. I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so funny. I love it. Um yeah, I'm just kind of skimming through stuff here, whatever, trying to find some more of my favorite things. This thing is just so packed. Like, where do we even take up? that when it was uh talking about let's see it was first corinthians um on page 52 i don't know just one of the scriptures in there uh let's see it was 56 verse 56 when it says the sting of death is sin and that just really made me think you know that yeah, as long as we don't sin or we keep repenting of our sins, keep trying to do better, then then basically, you know, translation is is escaping death as we know it anyway. So I just that just made me really think that that one thought that the sting of death is sin. So I thought that was really interesting. I'd never thought of it that way before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love that, um, that whole thing, like up at the top there uh, with 51 through, 
57. Well, well, even just, yeah, 51 through 52. Um, so it says, behold, so Paul, like this is an amazing thing that like came to me um, that I hadn't realized before. Like who is Paul talking to in this chapter, chapter 15 here? Behold, I show you a mystery. Okay. Like he's obviously not talking to new converts on the street. You know, he's not going up in Athens doing this. I show you a mystery. We, so who's he talking about? He's talking about himself, but also the group that he's talking to. So it's a pretty select group that, that all has common things, right? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall raise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And then, you know, goes on through, through all the other stuff. And anyway, I was just like, when I was reading this, I was in my mind's eye, just kind of picturing a whole different scene than I've ever seen before, because I've, I don't know, Corinthians, I've, I've imagined it a, a totally different way, but here it was like, oh man, what if he was talking, and I'm not trying to say that this is what it was, I'm just saying, what if he was talking to a group of individuals that were prepared, or at least preparing to become translated, they were in faithfulness but he's showing them a mystery because they're they're seeking after deep things and he's saying we like what what are the implications of that was paul translated like i mean because we we know about his death too but but now that my paradigm shifted on all of this other it's like okay so maybe paul's translated and he's talking to other people that are preparing for it we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed like he could have been in first corinthians chapter 15 um showing one of the the greatest instructions on translation that that we have in most of scripture and anyway it was just it was freaking me out and like rocking my world you know like sometimes you have like an earthquake moment where like a, a paradigm shift is happening and, and you need like to just jar your your natural man. I don't even know how to describe it, but I have those often <laughs> these days where like everything inside me just has to like shake and shift and, and see it from this angle. And it's like, whoa, okay. Okay. I take that for a loop and, and, and try it on, but. Okay. Um, so where in Corinthians? Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 15. And this is 51 through 57 that's quoted here in the book, but uh, just that whole chapter 15. Well, I mean, all of first Corinthians really, but uh, that chapter 15, it seems like he's talking to the audience and then he comes down to this, this group of, of, of five virgins that are, are ready to enter the marriage feast and, and he's showing them a mystery on, on their future kind of thing. I don't know. It's a possibility. Um, but John Pontius is just underneath that, where he says that Paul's description is speaking of the final trumpet, the moment when the work will be finished and all men will be changed. So, I mean, there's that general implication as well. You know, maybe he's not talking to that specific group or whatever, but um, John's interpretation here, um, he clearly separates out those who will not sleep, those who have not died in their time, and the dead, those who did sleep. Um, that will rise incorruptible through resurrection, never again to, uh, never again subject to mortal corruption. So, I mean, there are multiple things, but um, for some reason that was, was hitting me in a totally different way when I was reading that, that this, the last time. 
as with all scriptures, I think that there's multiple interpretations and, and maybe that was just something that I needed to, to shift my paradigm for something else. I don't know. So are the keys to translation, is that something left to be restored? That's an excellent question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think we uh, find that out throughout the journey of this book. I think that it's talked about a few times, but um, yeah. Because it talks about it's the priesthood, but the priesthood does everything. You just have to have the keys. So mm -hmm. yeah, on page 34, I have highlighted there's those two quotes, one from Joseph Smith and one from Elder McConkie. And, and it was just like, these don't seem to jive together very well. Like one says they are restored and one says that they aren't, that that's something that, that will be restored in the last days and stuff. And it's like, okay, so anytime the, the Lord gives us a paradox, he's wanting to unravel a mystery, right? And I haven't unraveled that. So I don't know. But any other insights would be welcome. <laughs> Well, after, right after those two quotes that you mentioned, um, it says, from these statements, there can be little doubt that our present priesthood embodies the power of translation. Right. Mm -hmm. It has the power, but does it have the keys? Hmm. You know, know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like, it no, also, no. the priesthood is also how we are resurrected, but we don't have the keys for that yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in McConkie's quote there, so just reading it since you don't have the book in front of you, but... Um, Do I have it now? Thank you, oh, Elle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got the, the PDF there. So on page 34, so Elder McConkie makes this astonishing statement. Raphael, whom we assume to have been Enoch or someone from his dispensation, came and committed such keys as appertained that to that day. No doubt these included the power to use the priesthood to translate men as will be the state of all those who abide in the day of the second coming. So McConkie is using both power and keys in his quote, which is an interesting one. And then uh, while we're at it, might as well go and do the Joseph Smith quote. It says, there are many things which belong to the powers uh, of the priesthood and the keys thereof that have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, they are hid up from the wise and prudent to be revealed in the last times, which is an, a key statement to, to understand. I think we all just kind of say, oh, well, the latter days. But anytime that Joseph Smith is using the term last times, he means the latter part of the latter days, which President Nelson says that we're in, right? And so, I don't know. There, and some... my question is, when did Raphael come? Mm-hmm. We don't uh -huh. hear about that. At Kirtland, we know who came. Did Raf I've never heard Raphael came at Kirtland. Mm -hmm. So when did he did? Yeah. It said Raphael and diverse angels or whatever, right? I thought it was Elijah, Elisha. Um, uh -huh. So Moses, Elijah, and Elijah. Uh-huh. But I haven't heard Raphael. Or Elias, sorry. Yeah, um, but I haven't heard Raphael. Find the actual source on that really quick because i know i i've seen it really recently Raphael. see he just says came came when he doesn't give us enough information mm -hmm. so um this is dnc 128 verses 21 and again the voice of god in the chamber of old father whitmer in fayette seneca county and at sundry times and at in diverse places through all the travels and tribulations 
of this Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the voice of Michael, the archangel, the voice of Gabriel and of Raphael and of diverse angels, of Michael, of Adam, down to the present time and declaring their dispensation, their rights, their keys, their honors, their majesty and glory and the power of their priesthood, giving line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, giving us consolation by holding forth that which is to come. What so verse what? was that? 128 what? Uh, 12821. So yeah, I, I, well, it wasn't in Kirtland. Yeah. Was I was thinking it was in Kirtland, but it, but it doesn't say that there. Yeah. Sundry times in diverse places through all the tra travels and tribulations of this, the saints. That's sure not something we talk about very much, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And who are the, oh, just divers angels, not well, divers angels, that was Gabriel and Raphael and Michael. So what other important angels came or were they just angels? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. That's true. Like my mom was saying here that all of those listed there are all dispensation heads, which all end in an L. So I don't know. That's an interesting thing as well. Angel ends, ends in an L too. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. But yeah, I don't have the, the answer on, on that one. I, I, I seems like I should know it. Like I'm on the, the tip of it or or something. Like there's something in the back of my head that probably has the answer, but um so yeah, is this have, during the uh, restoration uh, of the priesthood? Like I'm trying to figure out the context of this because I'm going, certainly it wasn't Father Whitmer that got the keys. Mm -hmm. What was, what was this? Yeah, so it was just in the chamber of Father Whitmer. Um, Between Harmony, Susquehanna, and Colesville, Broome County, on the Susquehanna River, declaring themselves as possessing keys of the kingdom, so is this the restoration of the priesthood? Possibly. I don't know. Church history right. is my best one. I, I, I'm blanking on that. I don't know. Seminary teacher Cindy Burr, what's your final answer? <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says an epistle from Joseph Smith, the prophet, to the church containing further directions on baptism for the dead, dated at Nauvoo, Illinois. So if it was on the banks of the Susquehanna River, he didn't tell anyone till Nauvoo in 1842. Hmm. Is that what it's saying? Interesting, because wasn't it the banks of the Susquehanna that he wrestled, that Adam the, or Michael wrestled Satan on behalf of Joseph Smith or whatever? Wasn't that the same place? Maybe, but wasn't it on the banks of the Susquehanna River where the priesthood was restored? Mm -hmm. Or was that where they, that's where they got baptized, right? Where they got the priesthood and then they were baptized. Mm -hmm. Too bad my husband's in bed because he knows all this. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> church history. I yeah, tell you, like I love Old Testament, but church history is not my best. Yeah. As I stated to you in my letter before I left my place, that I would write to you from time to time and give you information in relation to many subjects. I now resume the subject of the baptism for the dead. And then he goes on. So that's verse one. So this is what it is. It's he's telling about something that happened in the past that he has apparently not shared before, at least not doctrinally. Maybe he shared with people in private, mm -hmm. but not to the church. 
Yeah, interesting. Hmm. So it was on the banks of the Susquehanna. You'll see a statue there, John the Baptist. Yeah. And Joseph. That's why they got baptized there. Right. And the priesthood. Right. Right. That's what I was thinking. They got they got the priesthood there and then they baptized each other on the banks of the Susquehanna. So I was wondering, was this at the same time? But then that would be a Melchizedek, not an Aaronic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I have to do some study on that and reconvene on that. And we don't. Is it the Melchizedek priesthood that we don't even really know much about the restoration of that, like when it was, or is that the Aaronic? Yeah, that's Melchizedek. That's what I thought. So that's a mystery. And then he writes another mystery, like years later. Oh yeah, I'm gonna tell <laughs> yeah. you what else happened on the banks <laughs> when I got the Melchizedek priesthood. But this does say it's on the banks of the Susquehanna. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Very much so. Well, I'm going to have to go read this section more. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think we're getting ready to study it and come follow me, aren't we? Uh -huh, yeah, it should be coming up pretty soon. Because I think, aren't we on 124 or 125 this week? I think it's 125. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else that you want to discuss for the night um, from Triumph? And then we'll kind of close out. That's a, a really fun chapter. Uh, there's <laughs> so many nuggets in there, so many different paradigm shifts that I've had to, to go through and, and things. Um, yeah, it's such a fun book. I, I love it. Thanks for, for coming and participating and uh, having all these great questions. Can I make a comment? Yeah, for sure. I don't normally like to do that because... Don't. Well, that's the truth. I have, I've lost short-term memory loss. I have short-term memory loss and I've lost it too. So I have to reread and reread and reread in order for, to retain it even a day. Yeah. And when I was started reading this book, um, I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there going, how does he know all of this stuff? And how come no one else has ever said it before? It was, it was amazing. Yeah. But I've never read it anywhere else till now. Don't talk about it very much. Are they afraid to? He wasn't afraid to talk about it. He's no. telling you exactly <laughs> what you need to do, where you need to go, how you need to do it, and what happens when you get there. Uh huh. Yeah, like it talks about in the introduction there, you know, like this study that he's done, like there's many different prophets, apostles, and leaders that have talked about it, but it's all very separated and no one's ever really brought it together and like to uh, really talk about it coherently kind of thing. And so I, I find that um, the more that I look at our current prophets and apostles, like they, they do talk about it and mention it but um since it is kind of a sacred topic that you know it sometimes is bits and pieces and scattered and and that's what's so great about john's book here just kind of bringing those all together and uh, well what are they gonna do wait until the day of and go well here it all is <laughs> deal with it how you ever how you can uh -huh. well, I, I think that's why the prophet's telling us to he wants us to study and he wants us to we're living beyond um, below our privileges 
And so they're telling us to study in it, but we have to work for it. They don't, they're not just going to lay it out for us. They've already laid out a lot of stuff and people don't do it anyway. But I think it's because we have to work for it. And um, there's another book that I have, Completing Your Endowment by Corey B. Jensen. And it has a lot of the same stuff in it. And it's all doctrinally, you know, he has scripture behind everything. So I just think it's kind of a cheat sheet. And I also think from Spencer's book, he said, when, um, when Christ was speaking at that meeting, that he couldn't repeat what he said, but he said to go look up what Zion meant in the scriptures, like look it up and look at all the meanings and all the everything. And I think this is, this book is a compilation of all that. That's what I think. I think he did all that work and made this book of what he learned um, from what Christ, um, what Spencer said Christ talked about in that meeting. Do you know what I'm talking about from Visions of Glory? Okay, then on footnote seven, if you go to that quote, because my page, that's page 95 for me. You guys are on page 40. So President Taylor said, and... Um, you said exactly what I was thinking too, Kathy. Anyways, it says, if there was anything associated with Enoch and his city and the gathering together of his people or the translation of his city, it would be manifested in the last days. That's the synopsis of what he said. Mm -hmm. So it seems like John Taylor's also saying it would be restored in the last days. Like that's a future event. Isn't that what it sounds like? Mm -hmm. it would yeah, be it's will not be. just the latter days but the last days yeah like it hasn't happened yet and that's what spencer says that christ says at that meeting do you know what do you get uh -huh. we're, we're saying the same thing yeah that's, that's what he said in the meeting is he told them that and but he said it was too it was too spiritual to, to write or say out loud so he just said look up um, all the meanings of Zion. And I, and so I think this is just a compilation of all everything that John looked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we kind of got the cheat sheet. Yeah. And then also, oh, Stephen, your wife, I don't know. I don't remember your name. But, okay. So in that same footnote seven, it says those things, which never have been revealed from the foundation of the world, but have been kept hid from the wise and prudent shall be revealed unto babes and sucklings in this dispensation of the fullness of times. So maybe that's part of your answer. It's been kept hid, hidden. Mm -hmm. Don't you think they ought to start dragging it out a bit? <laughs> well, I think, I think the prophet's trying to push us that way. He's I do telling too. us not to be lazy learners. He's trying to tell mm -hmm. us to study and look for truth and look for it like i think he's he's saying please please study he's telling us you know you got to work for it it's not it's not just you know abc so and he's also yeah. saying let the lord teach you because only the lord can teach you nobody else like he can teach you these things like this isn't for me to teach you you need and to that's find what it John's out saying own. and that's what john's saying too mm -hmm. is that you have to learn what you have to give up and what you know what you have to do because everybody's going to be different right right mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's what I found, you know, like just this last chapter, this last week. Um, like I, I take all of John's things, you know, like, oh, this is an interesting paradigm shift and everything. But I take that and that's just kind of like a training wheel to then go to right. the wood and, and actually get answers right things and stuff and that's a really long drawn out process this is just kind of some tidbits and like you said a compilation of of training wheels that kind of point us in the right direction and and get us thinking kind of thing i just don't feel like i'm smart enough to figure it out without somebody having you know a a book for dummies you know we need cheat sheets yeah well i feel like too that um you know exactly what kathy said that that I, I really feel like they're trying to prepare us and to push us, us in this direction. But I also, um, I also think about the scripture that says that we will only receive it as we are ready to receive it. You know, we'll only receive as much as we are ready to receive. And, um, you know, as we follow the prophet and and learn and grow, then the mysteries of God will be opened up to us. And I think that that's what's happening. A lot of people in the church aren't ready to hear this yet. Can you imagine if, if at general conference over the pulpit, the prophet started talking about getting ready for translation? That would not go over well with a lot of people. I think that you have to be ready, spiritually ready to hear something like that. Well, um, and also, Cindy, you know, I remember in seminary learning, you can see God face to face. Right. But you know what? I've never heard that since seminary. <laughs> yeah. So we learned a and lot of it in seminary, but we never, they don't ever, I mean, a lot of the stuff I've heard, I'm like, I remember learning that in seminary 30 years ago. Way, <laughs> yeah. The way they, the way they teach it in seminaries, you know, to see God face to face is more of um, feeling his spirit. When, mm-hmm. when you see him, it's more seeing him spiritually. And, and that's kind of what I've found that they're, that we're teaching in seminary. So I think, you know, we're trying to get these kids to think about it, but I, but I think that, that, that would cause like, I don't know, <laughs> a lot of people like, would be able to handle that? it. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we, we bring our converts to, to general conference and like, Oh, hey, here's the prophet and, and listen what he's going to be talking about. Oh, he's talking about translation. Oh, oh, are, are they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not quite ready for that. For that it doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So also I wanted to say on um, footnote 10, mm-hmm. it says, um, this is also, he's kind of summarizing what John Taylor said, uh, prophet John Taylor we will build up Zion after the pattern that God will show us and we will be governed by his law and submit to his authority. Okay. Then he kind of quotes in the middle. And then when the time comes that these calamities we read of shall overtake the earth. And now he quotes John Taylor. Those that are prepared will have power, the power of translation as they had in former times and the city will be translated. So see, that's kind of what the prophet's doing. That's what we're talking about is that, those who are prepared and the prophets asking us be prepared you're going to see some of the greatest miracles be prepared i agree and um they're not teaching it but i remember one time i wanted to teach my children like sometimes you don't always understand but you have to obey so i just said hey guys go get your shoes and socks on be sure you put shoes and socks on 
don't wear flip-flops and go get in the car. And then I took him to McDonald's and they got to play in the play place, but they couldn't play in the play place unless they had socks on and they all wore their socks. And then I just said, hey, look, you didn't know that that's what we were doing, but I want you to understand that sometimes mom understands things you don't and you just need to do it. And I think that's kind of the same principle here. The prophet's going, be prepared, be prepared. I can't really tell you everything, but be prepared. Mm -hmm. And I told my kids, you'll regret it if you don't, you know, if you don't have your shoes and socks, so just be sure you have, because they were all really little. And, and I think that's the same thing the prophet's doing with us is just this exercise of like, hear him, study these scriptures, you know, DNC 84 and all, whatever they all are. Um, you know, all the things that he's telling us to do, but he's preparing us. And why is he preparing us? So that we will have the power of translation. And does that not go back to the 10 virgins? Those that were prepared and those that weren't? Yeah. She's, oh, we just came full circle. You know what that means? <laughs> we're all done, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. Wrap it up. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, like well, with Wendy Nelson's challenge or whatever to go back and read all of President Nelson's talks since he's become prophet, like read them. And then she says, and then read them again. Like, there's patterns in here that he is trying to to say but un until you actually put in some diligent effort to it, it it might not make sense on the on the first glance or the second glance but keep reading them keep searching for patterns because there's some stuff here and it, it's amazing well it's just kind of like algebra like they can only teach at the basic level until we all rise up to the next level they can't a lot of people have criticized the church that Sunday school is like the same exact lesson every <laughs> single year, but they can't bump it up until we're ready to be bumped up. Like people would just be like, I mean, they just can't do it. But that's why he's telling us get ready. And, you know, there was something else about not being a lazy learner and something about another saying about that. Mm -hmm. And so some people are doing it, but some people still aren't doing it. So yeah, for sure. And then L says here in the, the chat, you have to read between the lines with uh, and discernment. Ask the Lord questions. The prophet and apostles are, are trying to tell those who, who see it. But yeah, right. Okay, so under the heading translation defined, it says, since it is our privilege to seek and eventually obtain a translated Zion statute stature. Okay, so that just kind of clued me back into what Kathy was saying, and the prophet has said, is that we're living below our privilege. Are we living below our privilege by not seeking and obtaining? Is that what it is? Like Definitely. How many, how many members really seek? Because partly they don't know what to seek for, but just even doing what the prophet has said, search our scriptures is seeking. And how many of us don't? <laughs> Good night, Cindy. Oh yeah, she's got yeah. seminary in the morning. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> um how many of us just don't seek mm -hmm. yeah we're supposed to seek gifts of the spirit and how often do we really do that mm -hmm. yeah because i feel like i there's only one thing i really want and those get well i there's two i want this i want the gift of discernment too but um i just have you read Bednar's talk which one um the quick to observe it's a BYU devotional. 
Anyway, no. if you oh. don't have the gift of discernment or need to improve it or whatever, that talk will fix everything for you. When did he give it? Ooh. Is it an older one? 2005. Oh, so it is older. Yeah. But yeah, quick oh, to the observe. Gift, the gift to observe? Okay. Quick, quick to observe. Oh, quick to observe. You've okay. been keeping this secret for 15 years, really, Cameron? <laughs> it, it'll change your life. Like, it, that's literally what got me on Why the didn't you tell us earlier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want the gift of discernment, that one lines it out. And, and I mean, he is like blunt with it too. Like, there's prerequisites and you have to fulfill those and this and that, and then you'll get the gift of discernment. And literally, it was so funny. It was like two years after I read that talk that I was looking back on my gift of discernment and I go, holy cow, I have it now. I didn't even realize, like it just kind of like dawned upon me over time or whatever. It comes in, in phases and steps, but Quick to Observe by Elder Bednar. That's awesome. Is it BYU or BYU-Idaho? Because in 2005, Provo. He, it was Provo. He was... Um, I think still president. He was president yeah, I, of BYU-Idaho. I'm not sure on the 2005 part. I, okay. And he was still yeah. an area authority, I think, in 2005. I'm not sure. Uh -huh, yeah, because I think it was 2006 he got bumped up to Apostle, wasn't it? Yeah, because we lived in, we moved from Idaho the end of 2006. So I'm pretty sure in 2000. Oh, Sarah already found it. Way to go, Sarah. Huh? Oh, pulling it up. Thank you. Oh, it is 2005. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it, it's the best talk on discernment. Like, I mean, there's there's lots of great talks, but if you if you want that, right there. That's the one, like when we go, like I pray, like please help me to discern right from wrong, truth from error, good from evil, because everything is so confusing right now. Like everything so is yeah. so confusing. And that's, I'm not even asking for like, let me know. I don't know. I just want that discernment of right from wrong good from evil mm -hmm. truth from error that's it yep i don't want a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> yep it all stems back to that talk thank you for sharing yeah thank you i guess i'm going to bed with some heavy reading or maybe just yep. some light reading tonight <laughs> <laughs> but like read it read it again like try to to get those patterns that, that he's talking about in there because they're they're intense. They're, they're hard, but it, it's totally worth it. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Um, Can I say something? Yeah, for sure. I'm laying down now, so sorry. It's your heating vent. <laughs> I love it. Um, <clears throat> Um, I don't have any way to prove this, but it, it kept coming to me when, um, oh, so many years, I think it was Don Black, um, was a speaker and, um, he did a, it was back when talks were on cassette tape and he was talking about, um, Uh, your gifts that you're given sharing your gifts like he gave an example one time of in family prayer in the morning um, his daughter was saying the prayer and she gave her dad the gift of safety that's in her patriarchal blessing and 
later on as he and his brother were driving somewhere on the freeway later that day, um, there was a, a some sort of car in front of them did something. I, I don't know if he spun out or something happened. Anyway, um, Don did this miraculous driving maneuver. He was in a stick shift and, and um, you know, the spirit just took over and, and he was able to um, prevent them from becoming a part of the accident. And the brother said, wow, great driving maneuvers. And well, Don knew that it wasn't him that was able to do such a thing as that. And I was thinking about that's what came to my mind is when we um, receive the gifts that we are like the gift of discernment that um, I, I do know that we can endow our um loved ones or whoever it is that we that the lord sanctions for us to endow other people with gifts and i've been working on um for my son to like alma the elder to um pray that his son would be brought to the knowledge of the truth and so i i think that we um as we receive these things and, and pay whatever price it is that the Lord um, sees fit, that we can endow um, others with that, that same gift and they won't even necessarily know where it came from. But mm -hmm. um, I've had that happen in, in certain ways, but I, the Lord keeps bringing it to my attention to to have greater faith and to, um, to do that more. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you know, sharing your gifts can, sometimes we, we kind of pigeonhole it, you know, it, it applies one way, like sharing your gifts. Oh, well, if you have this gift, you have to share it in this way, kind of a thing. But, but that really opens it up, like sharing it, like actually praying that you can share that, you know, uh, help them to develop it as well. And, and, yeah, I, I love that. So I remember that talk very distinctly, oh. uh, Leslie. And, oh, good. Did I uh, tell and, it? Right? Yeah, and he talked about also his daughter getting the gift of discernment and passing that on and saying that, you know, as, as his kids uh, had certain problems that they were facing, that uh, those gifts could be shared with them to help them through their issues and problems. I thought that was really fascinating. Uh, I remember that very well. Um, so yeah, good, good uh, memory on that uh, to bring that up. So I have a, I have a four set volume of Encyclopedia of Mormonism. What a nice name, huh? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so this this volume, as as many of you know, was was sent out to all the seminary teachers, and then they. Uh, wrote about topics that they wanted to and then it was passed by the first presidency and then given to all the libraries uh, around the united states and i don't know maybe even the world but uh, around the united states for sure but under translation so i have it here in front of me and i looked up translated beings so i thought i'd just read that it says um such beings appear to have much greater power than the mortals all translated beings are eventually experienced physical death and resurrection um, translated uh, is necessary 
a condition and special instances uh, to further the work of the Lord. It says all translated beings either have since been or yet will be resurrected or changed in twinkling of an eye to a resurrected being. Resurrection is a step beyond translation and persons translated prior to the resurrection of Christ were resurrected with him. It is expected that those translated since Christ's resurrection will be resurrected at his second coming. Many faithful persons were translated, as we've talked about, from Enoch. And the righteous residents of his city were translated not many years after Adam, right? Then it talks about the flood and how many people were translated, you know, also translated after that. And that says translated beings are assigned special ministries. Some to remain among mortals, as seems to be the case of John and the three Nephites. Or for other purposes, as in the case of Moses and Elijah, of course, when they appeared were translated or appear, the physical body hundreds of years later in the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Mount Tabor in Israel is where that happened, uh, prior to the resurrection of, of uh, Jesus. Had they been spirits only, they could not have laid hands on the mortals, Peter, James, and John. Many have supposed, and this is kind of interesting, this is the last thing I'll read. Many have supposed that the doctrine of translation was a doctrine whereby men were immediately taken up to the presence of God and into eternal fullness. But that is a mistaken idea. Their place of habitation is that of the terrestrial order. Yeah, that's amazing. There's, there's a couple of little tidbits in there that, that I hadn't considered before. Thank you. That was good. Wait, okay, wait. Um, on footnote 34, and this kind of goes along with what you were reading. Elder, I had never considered this. Like how often do we talk about the 144,000 and we talk about how they're missionaries? Elder Orson Pratt touched upon this. He said, they, the 144,000 had a peculiar inscription in their foreheads. And what was it? It was the father's name. What is the father's name? It is God, the being we worship. If then the 144,000 are to have the name of God inscribed on their foreheads, will it be simply a plaything, a something that has no meaning? Or will it mean that which the inscription specifies, that they are indeed gods? Um, and then it says John Taylor taught the same thing. So then there you go. There's a standard to live up to, right? <laughs> you know? I, I had never considered that before the 144,000 were not just missionaries the righteous Zion dwellers translated beings but they are indeed gods mm -hmm. yeah very interesting all right well it's been so fun. There's so many things. I have like a whole list of homework assignments that I need to go study now. But um, anyway, thank you all for, for all of this uh, insightful. Do you know where we can find that talk about the guy driving the car? The Don Black talk? Yeah, yeah it was Don a, Black. Yeah, it was a, a talk that I had on a set that I used to listen to. But it was okay. many, many years ago. I bet you could Google it because I actually Googled him. I wondered if that was Sharon Easton Black's husband, but it wasn't. 
<laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. I just wondered. I knew that I don't either. Yeah. It was back in the in the 90s. <laughs> so okay. I don't know. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Cameron. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thanks. We'll see y'all. <laughs>